tell you all about this love It's almost like she was sent from above Welcome to the podcast most people don't but you do We have stories and conversations with people that are going above and beyond uh, my name is Bart Berkey. I'm the founder of a company called Most People Don't. We are thrilled to be able to share with you this podcast. We recently were awarded the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. And it's just me and a few other folks. So it's all about the guests and the questions that they are answering and the information that they are sharing. Today's guest is an exceptional gentleman. I want to read a little bit about him. I'll tell you the backstory of how we just met and why I thought he would be amazing for this podcast. So his name is Brian James. He was born and raised on a farm in the small logging community of Montesano, Washington. He's at home on the stage where his larger-than-life personality comes out with his witty commentary and raw energy. In 2005, Brian moved to Nashville, where he worked as a staff writer, and he wrote songs for the Surefire Music Company. He pens songs for several TV, film, and commercial product projects, and for artists such as Taylor Hicks and Highland 3. His music received the CCMA nomination for Single of the Year in 2013, and the following year, his song Angel at the Crossroads was nominated for Gospel Single, Single of the Year. Today, he writes, and he's continuing on several different projects. He is listed as a solo artist with his three-piece band, and he's currently touring the Pacific Northwest. His previous band was called Brian James and the Great Unknown. They released their album Journey of a Thousand Miles in September of 19, and they won Inside Music Cast Album of the Year. Gosh, I can keep on going on and on, but they don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you, Brian. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Bart. This is wonderful. Yeah. And how we met, I was, I was speaking and doing some leadership training at a resort outside of Seattle. And at the end of a very long day, I go to the lobby and who is performing it is Brian James. And what I was really intrigued with Brian, then we're going to definitely get to questions, but I just wanted to kick off how I initially met you. There was probably maybe three people in the lobby. And I had been presenting that day for six hours. I was so drawn, not just to your music, which is phenomenal, but as your bio says, to your raw energy and your witty conversations. I did not want to leave the room because of the feeling that you were giving to people. Uh, I got, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I asked the, the lounge, could I eat? dinner right here so I don't have to leave this lobby area. And that's what they did for me. And as you started to perform for three, then there was four, then there was five, then there was six, then there was 10, then there was 12, then there was more and more and more. And there were families that were adjusting. And I don't know, you're probably in the zone when you're performing, but they were adjusting their chairs and all five of this family members were jammed together in two chairs to be able to sit and watch you perform. So, Brian, your energy is amazing. Can you tell us about growing up? And when did you know that music was going to be part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a very small town, uh, probably about 2,500 people, and there's, there's not a whole lot to do 
uh, other than get in trouble and, and play music. Uh, and I, I probably did a little bit of both, to be honest. Uh, you know, I found that music was such a great outlet, uh, such a great expression, but it was also something that really spoke to me uh, on, on a deeper level. Uh, I'm, I, I feel as though I'm such a, 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 an empathetic person that, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I really connect with people on, on that level. I can sense, uh, subtleties, uh, in folks and I can sense, you know, if they're having a bad day or if they're having a good day or, you know, like it's, I think most of us have that, uh, kind of, um, sense about us that we can, we can kind of, you know, read people's body language and, and things like that. Uh, but for me, I really, I wanted to dig in on that more because it was it was about healing uh, more than uh, more than anything else it was trying to understand how i can best speak to people uh where they're at and meet them meet them there yeah. so brian and you go by brian i should have started the conversation by yes brian okay yeah absolutely i was going to call you brian james the entire time um when you say healing was it healing for yourself or healing for others? You know, I think to be honest, a little bit of both, uh, you know, I had, um, you know, I had a lot of family members pass away when I was younger. And so music became a, a really great outreach tool for not only myself, but my family. And I would bring it out at, uh, you know, family get togethers and things like that. And, and just, just try to cheer up the room, try to cheer up, you know, the, the mood and um and kind of help help my family get through get through hard times but but not just that it's music is such a it's such a beautiful universal language in the sense that it speaks to you where you are and and i really believe firmly that music is the way that emotions sound mm. and uh, i read this thing one time it was a really great quote it said when you're sad you hear the melody and when you're happy you hear the lyrics wow Wow, that's powerful. And I'm always listening for when, when we're doing podcasts to be able to grab a quote. And I think you probably already named three or four different quotes that I'm going to use for the title. <laughs> it means a lot. Okay, so growing up, uh, so rural area, big family, large family, a lot of brothers and sisters? Uh, a small family, actually. Uh, a little, little four-piece uh, four family. Uh, okay. I had a sister growing up. Uh, that wasn't very musical. My dad's not very musical. He always used to joke and say that, uh, he can carry a tune if it's in a bucket and he can play, uh, he can play a song as long as it's on the radio. Uh, so, uh, not, not a lot of musicality on my, on my dad and, and sister, but my mom, uh, it was such a, a fantastic singer and, and harmonizer. Same with my, my grandpa and we'd go on long car trips and, I would take the lead, grandpa would take the low, mom would take the high, and we'd just sing all the way. And and I, I grew up thinking, honestly, that that's how everybody's family was. Everybody sang, everybody was, you know, everybody had, had musical background. And, and I and I know this might sound a little bit ignorant, but every every woman that I'd ever heard had a beautiful voice in my family. And so, so you know, growing up, I thought all women had beautiful voices. Uh, I know that might sound so silly, but yeah. But that's what you were exposed to a small town and the people, the women that, you know, they did have beautiful voices. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah. If, if I may ask, are your, are your parents alive to see your success? 
They are. They are. Yes. Um, and they've been, you know, God, they, they've been so incredibly supportive and, and instrumental in that success. I'd say, you know, they, yeah. uh, I've met a lot of musicians in my journey, um, that haven't been as blessed to have that kind of support and that kind of, um, you know, uh, care from their parents or, or family members in general, uh, to, to support them in, in that dream. And, and, you know, from the time I was young, literally my, my, my parents would always say, you're capable of anything that you're, you believe you are, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're can do anything that you want to, as long as you, you know, put in the time and effort, it's, 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 it's up to you. Um, and so at what, at what age do you think you realize that you are, you're good, that you are a good performer, that you are a good singer, you're a good musician. What, at what age do you, do you remember what age that might've been that you're like, Hey, look, this is what I want to do for a living. It, it's going to sound really funny. Uh, but I was, I was just a kid. I was, I was really young. Uh, they, we had this, uh, we have this water park out here. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been around forever. And, and, uh, we came up to it one year and up until that point, I, I'd only sang in, um, you know, in, in the shower and in the car and, and at the house. And, and I never really sang out in front of people. And, um, my mom was like, Hey, I, I want you to, I want you to do this karaoke thing so we can get a film, you know, film, a film of it. And, um, we, uh, we went to this water park and they had this like karaoke thing and and there wasn't a lot of people kind of standing around, um, you know, at, at this thing. And, and so I, I got up and I started singing, uh, uh, Bette Midler's from a distance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause that's what my mom sang the ABC. <laughs> and I would always struggle over the word comprehend. Cause she says, comprehend the only, the only song lyric in the history of the world with, with the word comprehend. Uh, and it's in that song. Uh, so, uh, I got up and I sang you know, from a distance and, uh, little by little, we noticed that people started grabbing tables, people started grabbing chairs, mm -hmm. started getting closer. People would be walking by and then stop and look and then turn and come over. And by the end of the song, the place that was just an empty group of eight to 10 picnic tables, all of a sudden turned into an audience and. And my mom and, and dad looked at each other and were like, I, I think there might be something here. And, and, and that's when I kind of felt it too. I was like, Hey, this is, this is interesting. I'm getting attention in a whole different way, you know, kind of a bit. In, in approximately, Brian, how old were you? Oh goodness. I was, I was about eight or nine. Okay. Incredible. Okay. So then through, let's say middle school, high school, where there, were there bands that you started, where there. Gosh, I don't even know the right word because I'm not a singer. Were there choruses that you were part of? Like, did you, did, were you singing at that point on somehow? Yeah, I, I'd say very much so. Um, it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13 until I picked up my first primary instrument. I, I always played like the drums and, and piano, but I picked up, uh, I picked up the guitar when I was about 12 or 13 and, and that, that ultimately ended up being my main instrument after I just, I fell in love with, with all the different styles that were coming out, out at the time. And, and my, my uncle gave me, um, he gave me this, uh, this old box, this dusty old box of 
LP records from when he was in high school. And it had like, you know, Boston and the Eagles and, you know, Don McLean and, and John, James Taylor and really great singer songwriters and really great lyricists and, and, uh, being homeschooled, uh, we were able to kind of have a section of our day that was dedicated to what we were passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so for, uh, one to two hours at the end of each, each day, uh, it, it, I, I was the only kid that wanted to stay after school because I got to play, you know, guitar. Yeah. But I, it, uh, and plus you're at home, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I, I picked up, uh, I picked up the guitar and I would, I would play the LPs on a 45 setting because it would play it at a slower rotation. And so I could pick up all the little guitar parts that were being played because back then they didn't have ways of doing that you know now now you've got you know mp3 players that can slow it down and keep the same you know uh key and tone and all that which is i don't know how they do that but um but learning learning how to play guitar that way uh really really i think helped me you know because essentially i learned i learned from the best that that the world had to offer at that time you know from guitar guitar player standpoint yeah. And would you say, it, were you self-taught or was it your mother that was teaching you? Like, did she, does she know how to play the guitar? No, no, no. That, that was self-taught. Uh, that was something that, you know, again, my, my, uh, my parents were really good about recognizing, um, not only our, our differences as individual people, but mm -hmm. also, um, our strengths. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, they, they encouraged that. I, I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times kids don't, don't always get that opportunity to express themselves in a way that they feel is healthy and productive, you know? Yeah. yeah. It might be parents that are saying, okay, well, I give you an example. I played volleyball at Penn state and for a while I thought, okay, I want my kids to be able to play volleyball and I want them to go to college and play volleyball and get a scholarship and all these things. And very kindly, they tried it. They enjoyed it. It wasn't something that they wanted to pursue forever, but they tried it. Yeah. I think you, Brian, you bring up a really good point. It's the support that you have for others in allowing them to pursue their passion. With your music now, like I have so many questions to talk to you about with just what you just said. Are you pursuing your passion full time now? Without a doubt, uh, I've been very blessed, uh, I'd say since I was about 23 to be able to do this. So for 15 years, I've been full-time musician, full-time, uh, writer. Uh, I, I was a staff writer in Nashville for about, uh, seven years, uh, for the Shirtfire Music uh, Company, um, which is the uh, oldest running publishing company, uh, family owned operated, uh, publishing company in Nashville. And... It and so does that mean that you were writing music, you were composing music for other people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and also, you know, different projects for like commercial work, TV shows, um, different, different, uh, outlet media outlets, uh, as well. You know, there's, um, there's, there's so many, there's so many aspects of the music industry mm -hmm. uh, that I don't, I don't think people really fully understand because there's. There's so many niche little things, you know, like, 
there's there's one guy out there somewhere that writes only interstitial things that that are transitional songs in between scenes for tv shows you know like right. and, and then making a living yeah yeah and that's just his job that's all he does is yeah that little yeah. that little yeah. section in brian when you were writing for other people and writing for that company that you just referenced were you getting credit somehow for the things that you wrote if you wrote for uh, you, in your bio taylor hicks and a few other performers were you getting credit for this was a song written by Brian James as performed by someone? Yeah, usually you do. Um, usually what, what, uh, what you have is you have a publishing, uh, a deal and, and in that publishing deal, uh, they get a percentage and you get a percentage, Okay, yeah, but you work together to get a song placed. And if it does, then, uh, you get credit and so does the publishing company. For holding the the copyright on the song okay got it uh, i want to go back to when you were talking about doing karaoke and all of a sudden it was one picnic table and two picnic tables and then there was you know tens if not hundreds of people that were listening to you that was my sense almost exactly in the hotel lobby it was a great room view of clee ellum if i'm pronouncing it right that's right <laughs> and it just started off small but what i really appreciated about you brian is that my sense it didn't matter to you if it were three people if it was a hundred people if it was three thousand people and that was just my sense how you as a performer how are you able to do that to have the emotion the raw energy the enthusiasm, even if no one's in the lobby, how are you able to do that? And I think that that's so unique and, and such a gift and such a talent. Can you share with our listeners? Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I, I can try to identify it. Um, you know, the, you'd mentioned playing volleyball mm -hmm. and whenever you, you became so passionate about it mm -hmm. and whenever something came up about it whether it was a tv show on espn whether it was you know you passing a store window and it just happened to be on the tv you stop and watch it um you and, and you and you're you're confident in about it mm -hmm. about your knowledge about it you're confident about your ability about it mm -hmm. and once you get to that place then all that's left is the enjoyment of it all that's left is the the pure unfiltered excitement that you feel and you you want to share that excitement with other people because some people might not see it unless you do because wow. they're, they they don't have the vision or the the ability to see that to see that passion because they might not have something that they're passionate about yeah wow it, i was meeting with a friend of a friend the other day and he had retired and then they pulled him back into retirement and he said, Bart, I'm nervous about retiring because I don't know what I like to do. And I said, well, tell me the favorite parts of your job. And as soon as he started talking about coaching and mentoring others, he lit up. I was like, that's what you should do, right? Go back to the company and say, can you create a mentoring program? Let me lead it. And I will help all the people that are growing up through this organization. Like he just lit up. And I think that's what you're sharing, that music lights you up. 
when you are performing and let's say, go back and say, there's no one in that room and you are with your guitar and with your great speaker system, are you still, and you're performing and let's say no one was there. Are you still exuding the joy of pursuing your passion if no one is listening? Absolutely. Um, because it, it starts that that's where it starts. You mm -hmm. know, if, if I don't care about it, I'm not convicted by it. Why would you be? It's... Yes. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think that's, that's the sense that I got that because of your conviction that you did not appear, you were confident, as you said, you know, that you're good at it. You're comfortable doing, plus you love doing it. As soon as you start doing it for you, that's what started attracting other people in. Yeah. And, and whether it, again, it was three people clapping or a thousand people clapping, you could get that sense. And that was the, that was definitely the vibe and the energy that I got from you, Brian. And I do think that that's very unique. What advice would you have for people that are listening? Cause it's, it's things from founders of companies to students, right? We have a nice variety of people all over the world. What advice would you have to help people find what lights them up? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Away Together. Their tagline is experiencing better experiences. Their story goes like this. In 2018, they went to the Caribbean. They were in the midst of a tropical storm. This is John and Melanie, the founders. And they found that there was no platform that allowed for safe communication between all of the interesting people that they met on the trip. Then they created essentially a mobile application available for download for any device so that they could help with this communication. Well, in addition to communicating with each other as guests at a resort, a property, or a destination, they found that it was effective one-way communication to be able to reduce calls to the front desk and it would help free up staff for more effective and streamlined workflow. So imagine this, accommodations have the ability to display and promote all that the location has to offer, the local suggestions, any promotions, any special dining items, whatever they would like entertainment, whatever they would like to promote in a very safe and effective way. So please check out myawaytogether.com. You know, I wrote a song uh, that was on our, our album, uh, and it, it was actually the, self, the, the title of the album, Journey of a Thousand Miles. There's, there's a lyric in there that says, when I hear them say it can't be done, why even try? They define their own limits, but they don't define mine. Because what I hear when people say, you can't do that, that's impossible. You're incapable of it. What I'm hearing them say is, I can't do that. That's impossible for me. And I can't imagine how you could do that. But if you in your own head can see the vision, you can see the, 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 the dream in reality, and you can see a path to achieving it, don't listen because you know what's true, even if no one else does. Yeah, you know what's true. That's confidence, that's ability, that's trust, that's faith, that's a whole lot of things wrapped up. And in fact, there was a study that I just read about the other day. Maybe you've heard it. It's, uh, it's about people that were like, let's say at a basketball camp. I'm not going to get it totally right. But essentially, there was, let's say, 10 students at a basketball camp, and all they were doing was practicing free throws, practicing, practicing, practicing. And at the end of the week, because they were practicing, they got like 26% better at their free throw percentage. Then there was another group, let's say 10 athletes, 
that all they were doing for the same amount of time was envisioning making the free throw, making the free throw, making the, like, that's all that eyes closed, envisioning, not, not even touching a basketball. Their percentage when they went back on the court increased 24%. I believe it. And then there was a group that didn't practice at all. And, you know, they didn't get any increases in their abilities. What you're saying also, if you see it, you believe it, you know it, you feel it, it really doesn't matter else, matter what else other people think or feel, as long as if you believe it and feel it. Am I getting your message straight? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, did, the, yeah, good. Please, oh, please. I was just going to say it's, it, it is a mental thing. It's, it's a mental uh, decision. You know, it, it's not convincing yourself. It's not talking yourself into it. It's, yeah. it's going through all of the tenems and saying, that's, that's achievable. That's achievable. That's, mm -hmm. a, you know, from, from, from where I'm at, like working the problem backwards to yes. meet, to, to meet you where you're at and then working from that point on. Yeah. And did you always have that approach with things? I, I'd say after high school, uh, you know, I, I was, I was a baseball player in high school. And I loved not only the, the, the physical aspect of the game, but there is such a, an incredible mental side of the game. There's so many, uh, aspects about baseball where, where, you know, there's a lot of games within the game and a lot of, you know, a, a lot of uh, strategy and a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, understanding, you know, yourself and, um, you know, something I, I, I still carry with me to this day. We, before we would go out and practice. Um, you know, even just, just practice, uh, sessions, mm -hmm. uh, our coach would have us put our heads down and do a mental exercise where we would close our eyes and we would visualize the field for 10 minutes. Mm. We would think about, you know, if a ball was hit to this side, where would we go? If a ball was hit in the air, where would we go? What, you know, like what we envision our footwork, envision our club work, envision this. And how I apply that today is as you know, life, life gets so crazy. Life gets so, uh, overwhelming and out of hand at times. It helps to first thing in the morning, not grab your phone, not grab your tablet, not grab your computer, not worry about what's going on in the world. Cause it doesn't affect you at that time, at that moment. Yes. It, it only, it only affects you when you, when you give it the right to, or give it the freedom to. And so I like to start off my mornings with, you know, about 15 to 20 minutes of just quiet wake up time, isolation, get myself ready. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm not out in the wild living, you know, living you know, off the land. Like I, you know, we, we have these incredible homes that we can wake up in and we can take our time. We can breathe. We can, you know, mentally prepare ourselves for what the day has to come because you never know. But if, if you, plan enough to see it coming at you, then at least you're not going to get caught off guard and it's not going to impact you as stressfully or as anxiously as, as, as it might otherwise. What a great statement. And I'm going to share with you a couple other statistics and other studies that I share because you're definitely speaking my language. So I knew there was a reason why I wanted to get you on here. And as we dive deeper into you, it's our similar, we have very similar philosophies, which I'm so grateful to be able to now know you. 85% of people within 15 minutes of waking up will look at their mobile phone. 85% of people. And then the percentages of people that sleep 
with their phone, like in their bed next to them, I think is even higher. Wow. And, and what I like to say exactly for the same reasons is that within 15 minutes of waking up, you are going to allow something that is being refreshed, something that is being populated by others to influence and dictate your day. You yeah. now, now have to choose how to respond to that. You can't be proactive in your thoughts. You can't deliberate your day because sadly you're being influenced by this happened negatively overseas social unjust, a shooting, recession, pandemic, whatever the stuff is, or even jealousy. You know, the, the person that you wrote the song for, um, forgot to mention you or someone that said that they were going to tour with you was already on tour and they didn't like so many things to be, to allow yourself to be upset with, but I love your thinking. If you start your day on your own terms. That's how you can kind of generate the positivity that you need in the planning to be able to tackle whatever you want to do that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It gives you, it gives you the choice to start it on your own terms. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I really love the, the creative process of writing. I love being able to be, you know, just thoughtful in, in that process and, and that, and I can't have that. If what I'm thinking is someone else's thoughts. Yes. That's yes. plagiarism. Then. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so what I really also enjoy, uh, Brian, about your, your style, I'll say your presentation, your performance, that, that you did share with your, your personal songs, but actually even when you're doing cover songs, but the songs that you had written, you were talking about, like one example was you're at a party. And you're sitting next to two girls and you don't know, you know, you look to the left and you look to the right. And what if you would have started a conversation with the one to the left, but you started a conversation with the one to the right, something along those lines. And it got into more of the meaning as to why you wrote the song. Yeah. Um, when I, when I visited Nashville for a different presentation last year, I went to something and you'll know the name of this. I'm sure I'm not going to be able to remember it. But it was performers in Nashville that got up on stage and they told the stories behind the songs and then they performed. It almost looked like a comedy club in that style. Do you know which venue I'm talking about? Yeah, it could be uh, the listening room or maybe yes. Bluebird. Yes. Yeah. yes, the listening room, the listening room. But it just gave me the idea of like we were able to get that exposure from you because you were talking about this is a song that I wrote and it wasn't that you just played it, but you talked about the reason behind why you wrote it. There is a question in all of this banter. How do songs come to you, Brian? You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it, 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 I'm a godly man. And I, and I believe that the word uh, musician comes from the word muse, which is to be inspired and to interpret uh, you know, uh, interpret things. And, and I feel as though, um, my, my, my abilities, uh, as a writer, um, are, are impacted by that empathy thing we were talking about mm -hmm. being able to not only identify things that I'm going through and, and trying to work through and understand about myself, uh, you know, 
but also how is that relatable to people my age? How is that relatable to other people out there that when they hear it, they don't feel alone in their, in their feelings. They don't feel, you know, I, I, th I think about, um, Mr. Rogers hmm? and I think about how he was so beautiful and how he approached his interaction with people in a very therapeutic and healthy way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I think about that. We, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that. We don't have that kind of, um, compass or we don't have that, that lighthouse to kind of look at, uh, everybody is all kind of isolated doing their own thing all the time. And so when we do want that moment of togetherness, nobody really knows where to look. Nobody really understands, you know, how to start that conversation. Cause you know, I, I think a lot of people make a similar mistake that I do, which is believing that other people think like I do, you know? Right. And, and so by having songs out there that are very matter of fact in three minutes and 30 seconds that explain the emotion, explain the feeling, explain, and not just, again, you know, using, using music as a, as an ability to interpret the emotion of the thing as well. And then telling a story that is similar to maybe something they've gone through. For instance, um, I have a song called ghost town mm -hmm. and in it, it talks about, um, not only the act of being ghosted, mm. what it feels like by the person who's been ghosted. Right. You know, and, and they don't understand why this person would do this, especially when things were going so good, things were, you know, things seemed on the up and up, things seemed, you know, respectful, you know, all of that stuff. And then they leave and it leaves the other person wondering mm -hmm. what's wrong with me. What did I do wrong? When in fact, they have done nothing wrong. The other person might have been going through something and projecting their feelings, or they ran away because it got too real, or 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 whatever the, the thing is. It's it's more of the psychologic aspect of of the, the situation and and interpreting that into a song that other people can relate to. Yeah. And boy, that that really summarizes it so so well, Brian, that you're writing songs that allow people to cope and handle things like that you might be dealing with or that you think people need to hear because there is no, no Mr. Rogers musical emporium of being able to go to for therapeutic positivity. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why, you know, you think about some of the TV shows that are popular now, Ted Lasso, because it's about positivity and kindness. Uh, the one book that I think I shared with you, maybe whenever, whenever we met was, um, by rain Wilson, um, that gentleman who played Dwight on the office. office. Yeah. And he's from right Seattle area, suburban Seattle. But anyway, he was sharing some stats about the sadness and he talks about the, it's called soul boom, but it's, it's, a, it's really talking about the pandemic that is more than just viral in disease spreading it's about the pandemic of loneliness the pandemic of sadness the pandemic of negativity uh, and he, he shares that there was one school southern california college that the most popular class is how to build relationships for college students how to build relationships you wouldn't think that that needs to be a class and then another popular one of the second most popular at yale or harvard is about happiness you wouldn't think that there needs to be a class about happiness in building relationships. 
that it should happen organically and empathetically. Not always the case. So what you're doing, it's really very powerful. And I, I, I believe that you know this. So it's getting back to when you're writing your songs, are there, are there things that you are seeing and experiencing that all of a sudden comes to you? Is there a melody first? Can you tell us a little bit more about what happens first? Is it a situation? Is it a melody? Is it a tune? Share with us, please. Absolutely. It, it, it starts with an idea. Um, you know, say there's, say there's something that's going on that is uh, universally impactful. Mm -hmm. um, I think about that and I try not to look at it in a way, uh, in, in, in general, I, I try not to complain because mm -hmm. I, I, that's, that's a bad habit. I think it's a really bad habit because it doesn't really, it doesn't really solve the thing. It doesn't really accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to, I try to really be thoughtful in, in, in how I, how I, how I convey my feelings about something because I don't want it to seem as though I'm whining. I don't mm -hmm. want it to seem as though I'm, I'm necessarily upset by the thing i'm i'm more aware of it mm -hmm. and it it's not an issue right now but it possibly could be and i want to fix it before i ever get to that place yes uh, and, and so i think if i can write a song in that healing place in that learning place if you go back through my albums i've got three albums out mm -hmm. some of it i wrote in my teens some of it i wrote in my 20s and and i wrote it now in my 30s and my dream, my, my vision for having an album mm -hmm. was to put out eight to 10 songs, each, each, you know, each, each album that conveyed what I was going through at the moment. So when you looked back, you know, a hundred years from now, after I'm gone, what you have is basically a catalog of what it's like being in your teens, what it's like being in your twenties, what it's like being in your thirties and your forties. Cause a lot of music today, it's really geared towards a younger audience and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that as we get older, our, our, our priorities change, our, our views change, our, our ideas about life change. And it's nice still to have someone out there that you know, even, even when you're 50, you know, there, there's, there's going to be someone out there that, that doesn't have a support group that doesn't have a group of people around them that, that cares about them. And if they hear something on the radio that, you know, that speaks to them on their level and they hear it and they go, oh my goodness, like I'm not alone. I'm not alone in the world. I'm, I, there's other people out there like me. I, it feels, it feels so isolating at times. Because that's, that's the world that we've kind of created with our, with, with the devices and TVs. I think it started back in the nineties when everyone had a TV in their own rooms, right? You know, it used to be, everyone would watch the TV at, all together, you know, and it would be one unified thing, yeah. you know, but then everyone started getting cable and TV in their own rooms and computers in their own rooms and tablets yeah. and phones. And little by little, it's, you, we all might be in the same room together, mm -hmm. but we're not, we're not in the same place together. Yeah. And you can see examples when my kids were younger, birthday party, 
10, 10 year old birthday party for my daughter, you know, eight girls are at the house and they're all on their phones mm -hmm. and we had to go either in the same room. They might be looking at the same thing. They might be communicating with each other, but they really weren't together. Um, so I like what you're saying. Music can be a legacy, just like a book, right? Like I look at my book that I wrote to be a legacy. Music can be a legacy. And I'm also getting a greater sense, Brian, that your music kind of solves, solves or has a twofold purpose. Tell me if you agree with this. You can understand the lyrics and the message behind it, or you could simply like the tune. So it doesn't matter, correct? Right, right, exactly. If, if, if you're a lyricist and you love the lyrics, I, I, I'm, I'm conscious of that for you. Yes. And, yes. And, and if you like the melody and the groove, I'm yep. also conscious of that for you because I realize that the music isn't about me. It's, it, it's what I love to do, yes. but, it, but, but the adulation, the, the, you know, the attention of it, it's not about me. Right. And I think a lot of musicians kind of need to realize that, that it's, it's not about our ego and it's not about how, you know, this room didn't like us or this place didn't think much of it. I'm never going back there. Like, it's not about you. It's, yeah, about, it's not about you. And so when you're, when you're doing what you love, Brian, do the opportunities just come naturally? So you're on tour. You will be on tour, right? 150 dates, I think, that you shared. Yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of being on the road, but that's a lot of performing. That's a lot of influencing. That's a lot of making people feel better. Do opportunities, does, does money, does money come into play with what you do in your approach to your passion? It, it does, you know, I mean, it, it, it has to, uh, you, you know, I, I, I wish that I wish that I could live off of just music alone. Um, but, but it, you know, there, there is a, a business aspect of it because it has to grow, it has to build, it has to continue. And, and it can't, if my attention and my focus is, is on something else that consumes eight to 10 hours of my day. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what do you think is next, Brian? What are you envisioning next? Just like when you were that 10 year old, you were doing karaoke, you are envisioning this is next, this is next, this is next, this is next. What do you envision to be next for Brian James? You know, I think uh, honestly, the, the, the expectation mm -hmm. of success in music is kind of that universal vision of win a Grammy, win this, do this, make the big stage, have a big concert at, at Red Rocks, do this. When in fact, for me, a, a successful night is when I get to meet someone like yourself mm, wow. and we get to have a really deep, meaningful conversation about things, or we get to, uh, you know, that success, success comes in the form of appreciation from, from people who get it. Because to me, that, that tells me that I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to, to someone else on, on their kind of level and, and they're speaking to me on, on my level. And we're interacting with each other on that frequency. And, and again, it's 
it's such a lonely, isolating world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I can't emphasize that enough. It, it really is. Um, if you don't, if you, if, if, if you don't have that group of people around you that, that are your ride or die, so to speak, mm -hmm. like I challenge anyone watching this who doesn't go out regularly to lunch mm -hmm. by themselves to understand what I'm talking about, yeah. go out to a mill, crowded public place all by yourself and just listen to the conversations going on around you and realize that you're not a part of any of them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's can be, it can be incredibly isolating to, to be in that moment, but also it's, it's a great learning tool because mm -hmm. it makes you stronger and it makes you more independent of other people's thinking because you're more reliant on your own thoughts. You're more reliant on what you, what you have to think about and what you have to say. Yeah. And when you're thinking about things that are going to help people, what a glorious place to be. Oh, right. I'll, right. I'll, I'll share an example. As soon as I was done in uh, Clee Ellum and after I met you, I went to Orlando and I presented to um, 150 general managers of a, a great hospitality related company. Well, the next day I had a few hours intentionally and I'm like, I'm in Orlando. I called my wife and I said, is it weird to go to Disneyland by myself? And she's just like, no, you're there. You should do it. So I went to Disneyland or world or whatever the one is in Orlando by myself. Yes. And I had the best time. I and love it. Was, it, it, it was a challenge for me because what if someone thinks I'm traveling alone? Does that look weird? And what if I'm talking to people? Do they think I'm this, you know, 56 year old stranger that goes to Disney and I wasn't wearing any Disney ears. I'm not a fanatic that way, but I like seeing people have fun. And I like the environment of, right? The happiest place on earth. So I did it. And I came back with so many stories about how people were treating each other, how families were treating each other, how grandparents were taking the kids off the hands of their parent of their kids, right? So off the parents so the grandparents were giving their children a break. Um, people were holding open doors for each other. Um, it, it was it was a learning experience just like when I go to the airport, just when I travel, I learn these different things. And we just got down a few, a few minutes ago, Brian, I'll share this last story with you about doing decency. Uh, I was on an airplane. This was coming back from the trip, landed into Washington, Dallas, my hometown about uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And there had been delays and delays and delays. Well, there were several people on the plane that needed to make connections and they were holding up the other planes the departure for them. The pilot gets on and said, you know, there's several people toward the back of the plane that have tight connection flights. If this is your home, please just wait, allow them to leave. And I saw that. And there were people that were still stuck in the back because there were people that were being selfish, that weren't being aware, that weren't being empathetic and didn't care. So in a very loud voice, I said, there's still connections still in the back. Can you let the people with connections through, please? They would appreciate it. You know, if you were in their shoes, kind of a thing. But I learned so much from the Disneyland experience by myself, by just being observant of how people are treating each other on a plane. And that really coincides with what you're doing, that there is isolation, but there are songs to be able to help with it. And when you go to a mill or to a restaurant by yourself, or you're traveling by yourself, 
you're watching, you're observing. It's giving you new fuel, perhaps for your next song, to be able to help people that are feeling a certain way. Yeah, and and it's 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 important to 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 stay off the phone, like stay off the phone, like yeah. for 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 the majority of our time we are consuming but what are we producing wow. that, that's the question yes. what are we what are we contributing because yes. if you know when you were saying that about people on the plane they're empathetic they're or, or, or rather apathetic excuse me mm-hmm. and, and you know in, in in 38 years of life i've learned that people respect you to the level they respect themselves mm-hmm. and and if they don't care. They don't care about your connecting flight because they don't, they don't, because someone else somewhere down the road did that to them. And, you know, and, and this is how they're going to get justice for it, but they're going to forget about this because they're not living to fulfill the, the, the wrong, like, like an old Western movie. They're, they're just trying to fill the one time that that happened to them. And then they're perpetuating that to other people multiple times, creating more people like them in the world. When in fact, if you just took a big step back and you said, golly, if that were me and I, and I was really stressed and anxious and I saw them, you know, trying to get off the flight, like I would want someone to do that for me. I would, I would want, you know, and if, and I think if, if we, as people thought more like that, yes, then more would get accomplished more would be. Yes, I agree. And that's, and that's the, that's what I feel my purpose is, is to be able to share stories like I just shared with you, like I just shared on my podcast, like on my academy call, like I'm going to share in front of 300 people next week. That's what we need. Now you are communicating it differently. You're communicating it through, not only through words, but through songs and music and performance. And that's why I believe you are a person that does. That's why I wanted to make sure that I got you on this call. And Brian, the other part that I wanted to kind of conclude with, and again, this has been so amazing and so proud to know you. When I was asking you about what was next, you kind of pushed it back a little by saying, this is, this is. And some of the best advice that I got from a friend when I was talking about, if only I could uh, have Oprah Winfrey interview me, or I could interview Oprah Winfrey. If only I could get uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson to follow me, then that's going to open up everything else. And my friend said, Bart, you realize that you're already doing it. You don't have to wait for this to happen to say, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, right? You are doing it. And that's what I really liked about your answer just now, Brian, and not to sound oddly complimentary of you, but you're doing it. You're doing it. You don't need a, is it a Grammy? Oh yeah. Grammy awards. Yeah. It, yeah it'd be not, it would be nice, but it's not, it's not that you need that because you know who you are. You're confident in what you are doing and that is, and you're having fun and you're passionate. Yeah. And it, and it's, it just, it resonates so well. Um, I would like our listeners to be able to help you, Brian. Uh, as soon as we met for the first time, um, I went to iTunes and um, Journey of a Thousand Miles, right? I, I bought it. And one of my other sessions after I talked to you, the opening music was your song. Now, I probably needed credit from you, but, you know, but like, but thank you. 
No, thank you. It, it got me into, and I wanted to let people know this music was from Brian James, who was playing in the lobby, you know, last night, kind of a thing. How can our listeners help learn more about you and help? I know you, that you don't need help, but learn more about you. I was going to say help support you, but you don't need the support. How can they learn more about you if they find that they have a need that could be soothed or satisfied by your music, by, by your words? How can they find out more about you, Brian? If, if they go to the website, brianjameswashere.com, um, I've listed, you know, I've listed my music. I've listed where I'll be performing. Um, and, and, and that's how, that's how people can support is by coming out and engaging and, and, you know, being, being a part of the, of the show and, and enjoying the, the, you know, and enjoying the, like everyone kind of coming in on, on the same mindset. Like this is, this is, this is going to benefit all of us tonight. Like it, it's going to recharge all of our batteries. Like that is, that is the, that is the goal all 100%. Okay. So Brian James was here.com, correct? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. And, and I know you're on Instagram and many other social media channels, but I believe that we can find you just by going to Brian James was here. Yeah, that's so, right. Or if you Google Brian James was here, a lot of that would, should come up. Okay. And did you include the was here because are there other Brian James in the world? It was, it was a choice, uh, because that, that was a big reason for sure. There, there was, um, there was a, 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 a famous guitar player named Brian James. And, and whenever you put in Brian James music, oftentimes that would come up. Um, but I also, I, I, you know, with, with music, I travel so much and I had a, I had a vlog, uh, which I'm, I'm starting up here again in, in July, um, where I, I traveled all over essentially everywhere. Uh, and, and then I would show like, myself in those places and and what I was experiencing what I was feeling and learning and and all that kind of stuff uh so it, it kind of it kind of turned into uh the the Brian James was here and it just was a happy coincidence that it helped me kind of isolate from the other uh, amazing artists that are out there named Brian James yeah no and think about your upcoming tour with 150 different destinations yeah was Brian James here yeah Brian James was here and he was also here so yeah yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Brian, cannot thank you enough for a, a terrific conversation. Uh, Brian James, a musician extraordinaire, but just a really good empathetic human being that is helping to connect people, helping people to feel better through his music and through his words and through his energy. So, Brian, so grateful to be able to know you. Same, Bart. Same. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure.